podcast crew it's Houston and today I want to bring you an episode of the podcast that is actually the very first episode of what we call the Zoom sessions uh, which is a digital roundtable between myself and my two business partners Brad Lusher and Travis T. Rev Carter. Today's uh, discussion is how we think the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic is going to change Hollywood uh, for the better and for the worse and some uh, strategies that we think creators can use uh, to help survive this crazy landscape shift that we're going through now. So hope you enjoy it. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to comment. Be sure to share. Hey guys, thanks for uh, tuning in to the Super Story vidcast. I'm here with my two business partners, T-Rev and Brad Lusher. Uh, We have thematic backgrounds uh, uh, based on our view of the world and current events. Uh, I particularly have a uh, background, virtual background of the pandemic board game. Brad, is that a, um, is that a map? Uh, yeah, this is contagion. 95% of the world consumed by the virus. All right. And then uh, T-Rev, you have a lightning storm, lightning storm, right? Um, yes. It's kind of, that's kind of cool. It's not, it's not sort of virus based, but it seems ominous. I think I am. Um, the lightning cleans the air. So I'm killing, I'm the one positive in this. Okay. mix yeah that's, yeah, yeah that's what i'd like to tell myself and it uh, matches my expressive uh social style that's yeah. it that's it you're lightning lightning in a bottle that's it so uh so this is sort of the first uh, uh episode of our zoom sessions uh where we are obviously all separated because of the coronavirus pandemic uh and can only get together uh virtually uh practicing safe social distancing via the interwebs. So uh, thanks for guys for, for jumping on. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about tonight, uh, a little bit about uh, uh, how the, uh, the coronavirus is impacting uh, the entertainment industry as a whole, uh, impacting creative professionals, writers, creators, filmmakers, authors, anybody in between, musicians. And it's uh, just, just sort of discussion about, you know, where do we think things are going? How can creatives prep in a different way? Uh, and how can we use this time that we've been given in a way that's that's productive uh, and and not depressing, uh, you know? Because it seems like there's uh, yeah, there, there's easily two ways you can kind of flow with this thing. So, uh, but I'll start the the discussion off uh, just by asking how you guys are holding up. We're what three weeks into this thing. Uh, uh, I, I I've lost track of all time and space. Yeah this point i have no idea what day it is or how long we've mm-hmm. been here um but how are you guys holding uh, up well sometimes uh, uh i don't want to complain too much to i guess uh it, i think it minimalizes um what people go through in prison right you know? sure. I, sure i think i think i have some prison fans out there and i don't want to make them mad at me so so but because so many, many times I get up and I, I walk downstairs and I'm like, oh, this is horrible. And but I'll, then I think, well, if someone in prison had uh, my house and my, my backyard I, and they're not getting shanked every day, 
I think they would think this is cool, maybe. But I'm sometimes I say this is like prison, and that's a smack in their face. Sure, I think mm-hmm. uh, Ellen just uh, uh, got came under a lot of fire, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, because she said that. Uh, oh wow! On a video she put out on Twitter, that now she has sort of a new respect for people in prison as she's sitting in a thirty million dollar. Yeah, prison, exactly. Right. So well, hey, uh, in California, that we've been letting our prisoners free, you know. Right. Yeah, all the ones that are on parole, like ah, oh, just just leave early. You it's know? Fine, yeah. they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, they'll practice good, safe social distancing. So I'm sure of it. But uh, I keep thinking you're about to say safe sex. Just, not well. It's weird. They probably won't practice that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, but how are you holding up, Brad? How 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 are you handling the uh, the global pandemic? That's uh, yeah, it's weird, especially like when I was looking at Travis's lightning. You know, it's like. In California, we've been getting rain. Sure. So it's like not only are we not able to go anywhere, but then a lot of these days we're not even going outside. You know, right? It's raining. We're sort of just yeah. in this room all the time. Like ah. So the the other day, uh, I think it was two days ago, I um, went out for a tulip paper run, and uh, I have this uh, a, a little go to Armenian market in Burbank uh, that uh, is is off the beaten path that usually has. Uh, you know, uh, a little stash of, of of toilet paper. And so I went out and it was probably 7.30 in the morning and uh, zero cars, nobody's out. And that's the biggest difference that I've noticed in LA is just there's no traffic anymore. And uh, that, I mean, it was very much like a walking dead type of vibe. You're just getting, there's nobody anywhere, nobody walking. Mm-hmm. There's uh, There's nobody on the street. I had my my face mask up. I had my right. gloves on. I park, and and as I was as I was uh, uh, driving toward it, um, I passed a coyote, big coyote, mm-hmm. like the size of a German Shepherd, that was just trotting openly down a sidewalk, and oh. uh, and and I passed it. Went into the market, came out of the market, and by the time I came out of the market, the coyote caught up with me. And I found myself face to face with the coyote in this sort of apocalyptic uh, silence and setting. We just stared at each other for a couple seconds. And then I just jumped in the passenger side of my car. And it just was also surreal and bizarre. It's like we're all part of this really epically long, boring horror movie. Uh, And like, you know, we're still in the setup mode. And and it's just, it's weird. Yeah, I ended up watching uh, 28 Days Later the other day oh, because wow. just driving on the freeways and they're empty half the time. Sure. It was reminding me of that, you know, that awesome scene at the beginning of 28 Days Later. He wakes up, he's like, hospital. he's like ripping stuff out. He like goes out and he's walking down the like central part of London, looking at like the, the famous square where it's like, typically it's packed with cars, packed with people. Sure. And he's just walking down by himself you know yeah yeah it's really. like just to shoot that alone danny boyle had to probably like pull strings to like sure. block off enough to shoot that well but you know it's, like it's, we're, we're living that right well, now. one thing that's really interesting i don't know if you remember the movie vanilla sky with tom cruise one of my favorite films yeah. uh there's this uh really famous scene of vanilla sky where tom cruise uh runs into Times square and there's nobody there and it's completely mm-hmm. empty and now people are recreating that oh okay <laughs> right because you can i mean right like, oh, everything's every you know new york is getting hit and really getting hit hard right now and so yeah. uh but there's always still room for a good tiktok video uh but um but it's just such a such an interesting time and such an interesting thing 
and uh uh you know we're we're all still blessed to to continue to work and there's a lot of people that are completely out of work that uh who you who are uh who have loved ones that are ill we we're just talking about carl anthony towns uh, right. a player for the uh the timberwolves he, you know uh his his mom just died we were talking about um uh, john prine the famous musician died of coronavirus joe diffie uh died of coronavirus and uh and then there's you know obviously more celebrities that right. um that uh that did Tom Hanks recover yet? Tom did. Hanks did recover and he actually yeah. uh he actually uh hosted Saturday Night Live uh um, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, the yeah. other night, right? Which was Saturday night not live because they yeah. all uh <laughs> did it, they all did it like on their phones from home. Uh and it actually was one of the more funny uh episodes mm. of Saturday Night Live that they've had in quite a long time. So they should probably just stick with uh stick with doing that. So, <laughs> uh but um but yeah there's like this is such an interest like literally unprecedented uh right. times right uh, now not that we haven't that we haven't had global pandemics before right i mean the, the spanish the spanish flu in 1912 and et cetera et cetera we've had outbreaks and things like this but in it you know at least in our lifetime uh uh you know probably within the last century we haven't seen anything like this and we haven't seen anything like this in uh in a modern day you know sort of technology fueled uh, uh, society. Imagine if this would have happened 30 years ago, how different it would be because we wouldn't really have the internet. We wouldn't be able to do zoom calls. We wouldn't be able to do the things that, uh, you know, we wouldn't have Netflix to stream. Uh, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have any of this stuff, just how different that whole experience would be. This is, uh, this is just a really interesting thing. Well, I, I think the technology now allows us to actually shut things down and try to slow the spread, you know, sure. previous generations, there's no option. Like you can't get the resources you need to live just sitting in your house. Right. And so they wouldn't have done it. And that would have sacrificed a lot more lives, you know, just sure. like, like the Asian flu and the Hong Kong flu back in 69 and 57, sure. you know, a lot of people died in those. Sure. Because we, yeah, we, we weren't interconnected in a way that allowed us to actually lock everything down. Yeah, absolutely. There would have so, been a lot of breaking of rules. Uh, without the internet and what we can do now, because uh, not only would there have been a, a, a financial, economical, quick collapse, sure, but people are okay with staying at home. It's tough. They're okay with staying home. Like, hey, I can do get, like there's a lot of jobs out there, not all, um, but there's a lot of jobs out there that you can continue to work. And think about if you couldn't do that, you'd have a lot of people saying, screw it. I'm going to go to work or I'm going to corral with a bunch of people. It, it, we don't sure. slow down the spread. So there's, there's a lot of things. Uh, uh, we got to uh, applaud technology right now uh, in many different ways. hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, it's, uh, you know, for, uh, for us, uh, you know, we're all three big sports fans and uh, it's like just not having any sports has been, uh, just a tremendously weird thing, right? Uh, yeah. And I really thought my Kentucky Wildcats are, had a had a shot at the national title, uh, at least the Final Four this year. 
Um, I thought my Clippers had a chance to win the NBA Finals. Right. Uh, the Bengals are going to draft Joe Burrow, number one, uh, made some tremendous moves in free agency. We're primed and ready to go. But it looks like um, uh, the governors of, of, of a variety of states are saying, you know, don't get your hopes up for football in the fall. And both on a collegiate level, I mean, you know, University of Kentucky is coming off a couple bowl games, getting a lot of players back. I mean, it's just, uh, uh, you know, and it, and it seems trite talking about sports when, you know, people are dying. Uh, but it's just a, such an interesting thing because I think you, for when this all became real to me, the night that it became real, because we, we had been talking about it, we've been, uh, uh, you know, you've been hearing stuff in the news, but there was the night when I, I read that Tom Hanks had it. Tom Hanks yeah. had COVID-19 and I was like, oh, wow, that was the first sort of big celebrity that had it. But then when Rudy Gobert yep. uh, got it, uh, that's when it hit me of like, wow, okay, this isn't just some fringe issue. Uh, you know, Rudy Gobert had it and they, they canceled the NBA game. I, I'll never forget watching SportsCenter and seeing a doctor run on the court uh, right. I can't remember who was, who, was, who was getting ready to play. But they, it was the you know, Jazz Thunder game. There we go, OKC. Jazz Thunder. So yeah. surreal. That, and they just made that announcement of like, okay, you know, uh, game's over, everybody go home. And, uh, and then the, the players were quarantined and that's when it hit me of like, okay, you know, this is, this is, this is real and it's weird. Yeah. And, uh, that hit me as a, as a NBA season ticket holder. You're, it's, a, it's the same exact moment that, that day, because yeah. that was the weird thing. They had, the NBA had been playing games that day sure. in, other, in other cities. Yep. And so they were just towing that line. And then as soon as they had someone infected, they pulled the plug. But, you know, I was supposed to go to two, Clipper games that weekend, you know? Sure. So yeah. that's when it officially, you know, we've been preparing, to, you know, what would happen if we had to lock down and all that. But then once that happens, it's like, okay, yeah, it's, it's happening. But maybe the, uh, go ahead, Jeff. I, I was thinking from, from an entertainment standpoint and in, in mixing sports and just what our appetites, what we're willing to accept. It's interesting what this has done because I found myself and, and I put up a, a Facebook post willing and excited to watch my beloved Cleveland Browns on a replay <laughs> and playing, pay, playing Tampa Bay. I, even that, rec oh, wow. I, I recorded a replay. And then the bad part about it is I knew that they lost, oh, wow. but I was you so anyway. craving. But as I was watching, I was thinking, Maybe they win the replay. I went absolutely wow. nuts. I, <laughs> yeah. I personified uh, Einstein's definition of insanity. Sure, I, right. I, You're, that's, yeah, by, I yeah, went literally. insane. I thought they were going to win, even though I knew they were going to lose. You were still rooting and, for him. You know, it produced I got, delusion. I got, <laughs> I, 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 twice big sadness. Um, if, the, uh, if the coronavirus uh, <laughs> if does anything positive, maybe it, it, it does save you from uh, yet another disappointing Brown season. I can't have disappointing bingo seasons because the only way to have disappointment is if you have expectation. Just uh, don't so, draft Chase Young. That's all that's, I'm saying. No, we're As going, a Redskins we're going, fan, stay away from him. We're going Joe Burrow. We'll save Chase okay. Young for you. Okay, you know, thank so, you. But, uh, you know, I love Baker, but I, I was because I was a big Joe Burrow fan from when he was at Ohio yeah. State and I was rooting for him. I was like, I was kind of mad that how does he fall in the lap of the Bengals? And, yeah. 
That's it. That's it. So we'll. Uh, you guys can have Andy Dalton if you if yeah. you want. I don't mind Andy. Oh man, that's cruel. Andy's good. Like I like Andy. I like Andy. You know. So, but uh, back to the coronavirus. So, uh, uh, you know, we're we're in entertainment. Uh, so many people are in entertainment. Everybody's trying to figure out a way forward. Uh, and um, uh, you know, how do you think? What's what's your prediction? What's the thing that that that, that you're seeing uh, that is really changing in the industry how do you think the industry is going to be different moving forward what do you think the the impact sort of the butterfly the butterfly effect of the coronavirus and the COVID-19 crisis is going to be I mean it's huge it's going to be huge so the most immediate thing I've been tracking right now is theatrical you know so sure. in in home entertainment you know in the, the entertainment world it starts you know the movies released in the theater then you have your succession down the line through, uh, you know, into home video, yeah. uh, onto streaming, or into broadcast and all that, you know. So the lifeblood of the movie industry starts with the theater and every day just watching more and more theaters closing, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's amazing. So not only, and then not only the theaters, it's, it's the current productions are closing, you know. So sure. there's, there's movies that are in the can that are now getting pushed right. to later in the year to next year and that sort of thing. Right. Which is fine. So once we open it back up, we will have movies in the theater and people going to the box office. But as the longer that this quarantine takes place, that's so let's say it goes four to six months. That's four to six months of no TVs or movies being produced on, right. a, on a Hollywood level. Obviously sure. you can get creative and do independent stuff during right. lockdown um but as far as the bigger budget stuff it's all shut down so there are things the studios have ready to go once the quarantine's released and we can start have you know and, and it may have a rush uh, in the box office of people wanting to get out wanting to go there sure so it may be crazy the rest of the year you know like the second half of the year hollywood may do really well right but what i'm looking at is 18 months from now when the things that were supposed to be shot right now aren't being shot. What? So that's when they're going to start hitting the theater. And then it's, let's say it has a theatrical run. Then it starts hitting uh, video on demand, starts hitting different streaming services, starts hitting, you know, cable and broadcast and all this, sure. that there's going to be a massive gap. Yeah. You know, so not only are, is the entertainment industry taking a hit right now, but then it's going to feel the effect all over again in 12 to 18 months. Sure. So it, it, yeah. it, you know, hopefully we do see people taking advantage of the change and trying to make the best of it. Sure. You know, like a really interesting case study I was looking at was what Blumhouse saw, mm -hmm. you know, so they had two movies that were in the theater around the time that the lockdown happened. Oh, really? One that one that was doing really well, Invisible Man, and then one that wasn't, um, and they immediately had to obviously get out of the theaters, and they put them online uh, for purchase. You know, so sure. twenty bucks a pop, and so they're 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 actually getting decent success off of that. But then the question is, people that instead of those people that are spending twenty bucks to watch it from their home right now, instead of them going and buying a movie ticket to see it that the right. first time that way. And then later on down the line, they're a repeat customer because they, yeah. they loved it and sure. they would be buying streaming 
they'd be watching it on cable or whatever. Right. That's so now if they're just buying it for 20 bucks, which is way cheaper than the actual theater experience. If you think about hundred percent, everything involved, then they're probably not going to be a repeat customer. So even though, uh, the Blumhouse has been able to recoup a little bit by these instant purchases. Now it maybe is going to suffer the overall success of the, of the, the release. Sure. I'd argue on the other end too, that think about this. We are stuck in our houses. All right. I would argue that more people uh, bought it for 20 bucks than would have went and seen it because we're starving for novelty. We're starting for new entertainment. Um, think about, I, I don't think that I would have watched as interesting and, and, and weird and odd and entertaining as, as the Tiger King was. I wouldn't have watched the, <laughs> right. you know, sure. I wouldn't have watched it, but you got me sure. to watch it because, and I'm calling people, I'm on Facebook, not calling people on Facebook and texting, hey, what's new? What's the new document? So, Doors have opened in this whole thing. The documentarian can do great if you have something sure. interesting. Um, the 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 non-star. I did. I you know me studying digital uh, um, statistics metrics metrics on a on a daily basis as a part of my profession. I saw that on Google that the way the world is now that millennials and uh gen zers they're consuming um they're consuming their their entertainment and it's not having a star be a part of that entertainment yeah is no longer number one it used to be number one mm. and they did a study over all of you know a bunch of different countries from china and it's about it does it have meaning um personal meaning to them um mm. and i think being having a star based uh sure. at uh, person at the center was like number seven out of 20. So that was interesting. Wow. Yeah. So I think out of all of this, one, there, uh, when I take off my artistic, my acting and, and singer hat off and go, my mind goes straight to business, there'll be a downturn in business. People are going to lose, 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 but then there's going to be someone uh, and, and a group of people, an entity that's going to innovate and blow up right. and find a way. I, I know this from the type of work that I do in business, business development, Zoom probably had people calling every day to different, hey, can I talk to your so-and-so, can I talk to your head of IT and just getting phones sure. hanging up, salesmen, right? Now, they've got so much business, those same people are calling them, can I, can I get Zoom, can I get Zoom, can I get, sure. get Zoom? They were able to rise and be the phoenix in, out of this whole, sure. whole thing. And um, entertainment-wise, there is someone who's going to think about um, how to leverage this in, in, in a better way. How do I make more uh, content in shows on uh, TikTok? How do I do a, a Zoom story and, and, and create on that? Just like you mentioned with um, uh, Tom Hanks and Saturday Night Live yeah, sure. earlier. Who does that? Who makes it a norm? And then this, looking at this screen, how we're looking at, at, at one another that becomes a norm and a medium. How do you, I think something cool comes out of this and you want to be first to market. You want to be Netflix. Why are people talking about streaming on Netflix and not sure. Amazon prime, even though Amazon prime is big. Yeah. But we're saying Netflix, they were the first to market. Sure. Who's going to be the first to this new market, this new normal. No, it's really interesting. I mean, I think the, the, the ramifications of, of all this, you know, I think you're right, Brad is, is uh, with, with, 
we're going to feel the the pinch of just content uh, creation, uh, the, the, the content is sort of in the pipe. We're going to feel that, uh, you know, down the road. But I, the big concern I have theatrically is that the, the infrastructure for films won't even be there uh, in 16 months because the, uh, the movie theaters uh, um, may not be there. I mean, we've seen the AMC theaters just got their credit downgraded by the, um, by the Better Business Bureau and um, which is sort of the, the precursor to bankruptcy. I mean, I mean, because when see when people when people buy a twenty dollar movie on iTunes or or whatever, um, you know, not only aren't they buying the ticket, but they're also not buying the concessions. They're not buying any, yep. you know, any, anything else. And and really, the concessions are really how the, the theater really makes money, right? And so um, so you the, the and then the local economies. Um, you know, when we right. go to the movie, I mean, we we eat dinner. Uh, at a restaurant, we we park in a parking structure. Uh, you know, we get ice cream somewhere, um, and then all those uh, sort of feel the the pinch of, of of not of not going to the movies. But uh, uh, Trolls World Tour just got released, I think, this week, and and I read that um, that uh, uh, Universal was was pretty pleased because they made twenty six million dollars uh, from the the downloads of the you know the twenty dollar downloads. Uh, but the problem with that is that they were expecting to make $200 million um, uh, at the box office. And so what I think you'll see is uh, production budgets b decrease exponentially uh, because uh, the ROI, uh, the numbers that go, in go into the ROI are going to be a much different, right? Because now you can't, you can't project or anticipate sort of the 200 million box office quite as much. And so I think probably we're going to see a resurgence of like $20 million right. films, uh, $40 million films, rather than sort of the $200 million box, you know, uh, as comic book movie. So I think artistically, there's going to be a shift probably in content. And, don't you guys uh, think that, quick, quick question. Yeah. Piggyback off that. Don't you guys think that the Star Wars, remember the anticipation for the latest Star Wars? True. I'm thinking they could have gotten more than $20 per household for their release. Sure. Uh, like, like, I, a pay -per -view, like a pay-per-view, like a pay-per-view. Yeah, but, yeah, so I, but the you risk market of that. Like this epic thing and, 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 and party watches, but hey, pay-per-view is $69 a pop because they know that everyone's going to come over to the house. Sure. I don't know. Maybe, and I think that certain plays, if you market it right and hype it enough, sure. maybe it's just a thought. Yeah, I think you're going you're gonna to start. I mean, variable pricing has already been in the conversation for theatrical releases even. Uh, so I think you're, you're going to see a lot of some changes in, that, in those models. I think in the music industry, I mean, this disrupts the music industry like wildly because the best way to make money in music is touring, right? And we're just saying right. touring is not a, a thing right now. Yeah, I was just talking to our buddy... Uh, uh, Alex the other day who, you know, he's our friend who's an awesome sound sure. man. Yep. I mean, we've worked with him in live events for years. Um, he has his own business where he travels around running large live shows. Yep. And he said in the matter of three weeks, it just killed his business and it's gone. And now he's pivoting into the home theater business of going in, right. you know, installing home theater equipment for people. Whereas I mean, he was used to touring uh, around on doing these giant shows and that's just, it's just gone. I think that, that Tra uh, Trav, you're right 100% about the, the opportunity that's sort of baked into this, uh, into this event. Uh, thank the Lord that we're going through this in technology like we talked about earlier uh, because we have the, the democratization of technology and the platforms 
at our fingertips uh, to be able to create content in, in, in a lot of different ways. And I think what this is going to show, I think the big shift with this or the big shift that needs to be with this is, is for creators not to put their eggs in one basket. I think this shows how vulnerable uh, that your, any career, not just, not just for independence yeah. or low level, anyone's career, uh, how vulnerable it is to, you know, to things like this. And, and, and I think we can only uh, anticipate sort of, you know, things like this happening more regularly in more of a globalized society. And uh, you're vulnerable if you, you know, I, I always use the, uh, the analogy of, of um, you know, you, you want to build your career like an 18 wheeler. Uh, so if you're if, if an 18 wheeler is going down the road and it blows a tire, it just keeps on going. Uh, but if you're if you're riding a unicycle and you blow a tire, um, you're you know you're flat on your face. And so many so many creators and so many creatives and so many uh, uh, professionals here in Hollywood, they uh, they're, they're they're all riding unicycles. And uh, whether you're a staff rider, whether uh, whether you're a gaffer on set, whether you're a sound man, whatever whatever it is, they they use sort of this unicycle approach to careers. And uh, I was just listening to uh, to a Tony Robbins podcast, and there was a lady on there that was talking about about this. Not this is actually recorded a couple months ago, but she was, she was talking about how, um, we need everybody, not just in entertainment, but everybody needs to start looking at their careers as mosaics rather than sort of a singular, uh, like sniper rifle, look at it like a grenade or look at it like a mosaic where, uh, you know, in, in whatever you do, you need to have expertise in one thing. Great. Uh, but you also, uh, need to, uh, be teaching. You also need to be publishing books. You also need to be speaking. You also need to, you know, uh, be doing a sort of a variety of things because whenever you're one channel in anything in life, you've exposed yourself to vulnerability, right? And uh, and I think now for for creators, for filmmakers, for writers, for novelists, I mean, novelists are doing well right now. Uh, uh, you know, people that are producing for streaming is doing well right now. But what if that changes? You know, who who knows how things are going to go? I think diversification, uh, not not diversification for opportunity, diversification for hedging risk is is going to be a big trend, hopefully be a big trend and a movement uh, for, for creatives. I'd immediately, me being a, a lover of, of hip-hop music and, and, and R&B, if I was a hip-hop head, right, an artist, if I was a Drake, he was already smart by filming. He created something called the 2C Slide, sure, really sure. simple dance, can yep. get everybody into it. Sure. Everybody's sharing, everybody TikToking. That's a smart one. But I would have had, if I was him on this album or that song, if I had the Tilsey slide, I would have it as a bigger story world sure, right now. Course. I don't know what that story world, let's just say that there's a story arc in his album from album, from song track one to track 12. It's telling a, sure. a, a seamless story. I would create, anime is huge. I'd, I would create anime cart, uh, cartoon to reenact my videos instead of since you can't do live yep i'd have a a, a second anime series that um is a, a part two of the album that tells a different start story of the world i just totally transmediate this i'd have a uh, a novel and see and you can hire people from from india you can go to fiverr and all this stuff and get people to do animation and there's things sure. that you can do from your home creating this story world creating d different multiple entry points for people into your, your, your IP. And then I, I would have uh, maybe 
some blog entries of one of the, the, the uh, characters from that album um, talking about a different thread, a different storyline, some right. emotions. You know, just what we do here uh, um, for, for our clients at, at 1-3, but I would be thinking like that right now you and just to. getting that yeah. ready. And you have to. One of those things is gonna is going to catch, if sure. not all of them. Well, well you know, like the content. You know how right. stockbrokers stockbrokers always say you need to have a diversified portfolio, right? Uh, yeah. So because you know you don't want just you know all uh, all your stock in Disney, right? Because all of a sudden we see Disney stock uh, uh, dropping so much that Apple may buy, uh, do a hostile takeover and buy them out, right? Do a leverage buyout. Um, be, uh, so, but you don't want just all your stock in entertainment. You don't want all your stock in tech. You want you so you don't want all your stock in, in just oil and natural gas. You want to you want to diversify that as, as much as you can. And uh, because not just for different opportunity, but to hedge against risk, right? And yes. so, uh, so I think you, we we have to have that stockbroker mentality of to say how do we how do I diversify my career uh, in such a way that. Um, that uh, that hedges me against sort of you know shifts in the entertainment industry, shifts in the 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 economy, shift in global politics, things like that, geopolitics. Um, but here's the thing, you know, if you look at you look at somebody like um, Fifty Cent, right? So Fifty Cent has it has his music, but he also has vitamin water and things like that. Um, uh, you know, that's that's good to have sort of you know some investments and everything else. But I think what we're talking about is if you're a creator. You don't necessarily want to go, you know, uh, when I say diversify your career, you're a writer, but then you also, you know, work at Hobby Lobby on the weekend. We're not necessarily talking about that. I mean, if you do that, that's fine. Um, but when, we're ta when I'm talking about diversification, I know when we're talking about diversification, we're talking about how do you diversify your entertainment, right? Because that, because uh, if God puts you on earth to create entertainment, then, then that's what you do until you die, right? Uh, uh, and thankfully... Uh, we're uh, there's still a market for entertainment. I'm, I'm looking at a, at a at an article right now from the Nerdist, and it, it says that 400 billion minutes of entertainment was streamed in March. 400 billion minutes of streaming content in March. Uh, uh, everything uh, surged 85% upward. And that's just, that's just with streaming content. We're reading more books than ever before. We're playing more games than ever before. We're watching more stuff than ever before. We're listening to more stuff than ever before. Yep. Listening to more podcasts, watching more videos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This isn't going away. So there's still a market for entertainment, Brad. It's just, uh, 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 I think now we just have to figure out how to get it to people in as many ways possible. I think big yeah. Hollywood has to jump in too. And when I say big Hollywood, I'm talking about the film and sure. they're just going to have to, to rethink um, everything from, you know, at, at some point we're going to be shooting things, shooting film. Sure. But what actors are nervous to act to do. It's not like when this you're really, when we're released from the house, everyone runs out. It could be a trickle effect guys. Some people may not want to be around. Some people may not go to the movies just because they've been locked up. Because they're like, um, I'll I'll go outside, but I'm gonna kind of take my chances in kind of. There's a grade that you take uh, a, sl a, sl a slight grade that you take to get back into society. Sure. Of course, so yeah. you know we're gonna have to be thinking about that as creators, especially the film producers. Yes. Um, Any anybody in live action, right? I mean, uh, has to think about this. I mean, has to think about like if this thing happens again. 
you know, like Brad, you were saying, it, it, things, you know, things get shut down, the production gets shut yeah. down. And, uh, and um, the, you know, it, the, the, my buddies that I know in, in, in the work in animation say that the thing that's like, that, that the studios are doubling and tripling down on are animated series, right? So animated series yeah. doesn't rely on theatrical uh, and it doesn't rely on a cast and crew being in the same room. Right? right, and so uh, so I think we're going to see a lot of animated series sort of get pushed out because all of a sudden now it's it's what's safe, right? And mm-hmm. and if you look at what's safe, I mean we're we're talking about you know animated series, podcast safe, you know digital content that you can that you can do for for social and digital platforms safe, uh, uh, novels obviously uh, safe, video games uh, safe. So I think uh, you know anything that requires a lot actual human beings together either in production or in viewing that's the vulnerability i I think it's it's vulnerable because we weren't preparing for it but i mean we've seen the last 20 years uh almost all the big budget pictures are special effects heavy you know basically uh it's a director standing there with an actor or two on a blue or green set sure you know what i mean so you don't have to fly a crew to Antarctica to shoot the scene. Sure. So if we're just prepared for this possibility, and it even allows for removing overhead, like why, why pay for a giant studio when you can have small little green room areas and then you yeah. can have a, a zoom camera on the side of the director directing the actor. Yeah. You can literally film your scene in just one person at a time. You don't have to go to a giant studio. You know? I think, the, the but big, I think it was just we weren't prepared. You know? Yeah, and this, this and just like you know, just sort of, I think this is a very nine eleven type of event. I mean, obviously right. not physically, uh, uh, culturally, just, but culturally of like, oh, now we have to think of this, and now we can think ahead. Uh, yeah. I think the thing that we've been give, you know, the thing that that I think defeats people in all this, uh, T Rev is uh, is what, what makes people hesitate is they don't want to learn anything new, right? They yeah. say. You know, uh, I don't know how to make a podcast. I don't. I don't know how to write a book. I don't know how to 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 code an app. I don't know how to make a video game. I don't know how to do anything like that. And so they let that, uh, you know, that be a crutch of of, um, you know, to to keep them from from diversifying, to keep them from producing more content. And then they just kind of get grouchy and surly when these things, uh, when these, you know, th- when these pandemics happen, um, and and they don't transition very well, right? Just because this inability of sort of uh, you know, learning new things. Uh, one thing that I found out recently is you, you've all heard the, uh, um, the, the Benjamin Franklin quote uh, that is uh, jack of all trades, master of none, right? And that's usually what people say when, when we're out there kind of uh, preaching the, the diversification, super story right. gospel, the people, they say, well, you know, Houston, you can't do everything. You ever heard of jack of all trades, master of none. If you try to do everything, you're not good at anything, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but actually, do you guys know that that was actually a misquote? Benjamin Franklin actually said, uh, uh, Jack of all trades, master of one. And that's what really mm. we should, we should attain, uh, uh, we, we should try to attain in life is it's good to have a mastery, right? Something that, right. that, uh, that you're an authority on something that you do better than other people, something, you know, sort of all the in, insular granular DNA of everything in the trenches. Uh, but that doesn't mean you're, that's the only thing that you, that you know how to do. You, you right. could be a, dr- a jack of these other trades while still being a master of one. And I think that's how you create that mosaic in, in your career. And I think that's, that's what we've always leaned into at one three 
is we want to be masters of story, you know, sure. master of storytelling. We've spent countless hours and years dissecting story across all the different mediums, finding the best way to tap into story. And then becoming a jack of all trades is, is the delivery mediums of those stories, Sure, 100%. you know? And so, yeah, yeah, we've, we've prepared ourselves pretty well for the, the, the new normal that we're about to see. 100%. That's a good point, uh, Brad, because you know, I would tell any storyteller, be, master that. And a good story, you prime it correctly, can be diversified. You can put it on multiple platforms by doing a couple of key ingredients, but master that. It doesn't take anything away from your storytelling. Matter of fact, it challenges you more. Sure, 100% makes you better. Uh, to, to take this approach and to be challenged like this in this day and this time. And you don't want to be a, a, a broke master storyteller. Telling. 100%. I mean, campfires, I mean, unless that campfire is on TV being shown to a stream to a bunch of millions of people, yeah. screw that. Let's, let's get your good stories out there. People want to, people will fight for the right to, to stay a starving artist. And I don't, I don't never understand (laughs) that. Right. Like, uh, and, and I don't think you should either, uh, you know, I don't think being a, a a well-fed sellout is good either. I think we need well-fed artists, right? I think that's sort of the, that's what we need to go for. And it, it's like maddening to me when, when people don't want to get pushed out of their comfort zone uh, to learn anything new, because right now we have, we have more educational tools at our fingertips uh, mm-hmm. than ever before to learn. If, 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 if you don't know how to write a novel, guess what? There's a masterclass by uh, Neil Gaiman and James Patterson waiting uh, for you to take it, right? Uh, there, there are countless blogs and LinkedIn learning and, and, and you know, interviews of people on YouTube. YouTube's the greatest educational uh, platform in the history yeah. of the world, right? If you need to know how to change the carburetor in a 1987 Volvo station wagon, there's a YouTube video that, that, that will show you how to do it. Uh, like it, people don't want to take the seven to 10 to 12 to 27 hours to, to just sit and learn something new. But the thing that this coronavirus has given us is, is more than anything. I think not, it has taken so much. It's an evil disease. Don't get me wrong. But, but what it has given us as a byproduct is the, is the most precious commodity in life, which is time. The time yeah. is something we can't make more of. Some time is something that, that we don't get back. Uh, it has given us the time and we have the tools in which to kind of leverage during that time. If you can't take a masterclass, learn how to write a book right now, you'll never do it. Right. And I've been, yeah. I, you know, I mean, if, if you don't take advantage of, you know, uh, of writing that song, uh, uh, writing that play, writing that novel, producing those videos, publishing that podcast, taking that class, learning the thing, it's, it's no longer an opportunity problem. Because so, how many, how many of us, I mean, me included, said, man, if I only had time, I would, uh, I would learn that other language. Or if I only had time, I would learn how to cook. Or if I only had time, I would produce that podcast. If I only had time, I would, I would write that novel. Uh, we're looking for the opportunity. But if you don't do it now as a creative, it's not a opportunity problem. It's a discipline problem. So many people are going to be exposed now, I think, as, as people that were talking the talk. Like, because now we, I mean, we could potentially have three to four to five months, right. Of just un, unbroken time in our house when we're not going out with buddies and we still have the internet and we still have our computers and we still have the access to it, to, to all the tools. And if you, if we can't do something now, 
it's a us problem, not opportunity problem. I don't know, I get fired up about it. I think it's crazy how people like, they, they we're just self-defeating in so many ways. Yeah, they, they, they need smack. And I, I mean, it's like uh, the people in that movie Airplane and there was a lady going crazy and panicking and they all stood up and they were shaking her. Get all of yourself and they were just smacking her. I think they were yes, smacking her. It's nine. a great scene. But it's a great yeah. scene. And that's what I want to do to people. W- wake up. Sure. Uh, think, innovate. I, I'm a praying man. So I even say pray for innovation and ideas that you didn't think pray to Absolutely. how to how to leverage a platform how do i make a a a, a zoom centric um uh dialogue as a part of my my sure. entertainment ip how do i do that how do i leverage that i mean you just got to be and it's fun it yep. stretches you yeah it's a really cool thing somebody's going to come up with a coronavirus movie Somebody's going to come up with like a, 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 a horror movie told through Zoom. Somebody's going to do something interesting. Here's my, to, to, uh, we'll finish up right now, guys. Here's my, here's my uh, coronavirus pitch uh, for you guys. Uh, I, I've been thinking of a variety of, of coronavirus uh, ideas that, uh, that we could flip into some potential stories. Uh, some interesting things, right? Uh, but uh, but my, my favorite one, I think, is, uh, is a group of NBA players that are stuck in lockdown right? We're stuck in quarantine. They can't play ball. They can't see each other. They get sick of being inside and, and they sneak out to play a pickup game of basketball and then misadventures ensue. They get chased, crazy things happen. And it's sort of a hangover type of a comedy that, uh, that we, we call quarantine. Uh, Any takers on that? It's okay. No, it's not bad. no. So think about, think about uh, Space Jam meets contagion right right. space jam meets contagion dude it would work you you got people watching guys play horse i'm so yeah i was gonna say that was really fun i think think about kevin durant kevin durant steph curry lebron right uh i i think i think i think that could that could be fun right and they all want to be actors and and producers way. i think uh yeah imagine draymond and lebron are forced to work together to to save the rest of the, the guys man i think that uh i don't know Qu- and I think I, the, the title sells it all quarantine quarantine i think i'd, I'd want to be in it and i figured out a way to uh cast myself in it they, they get out there they lose their ball i'm the lone guy taking shots that's and it I, I have the ball and i said you can play with my ball if i you get put me on the team that's it that's <laughs> it uh, listen guys uh, uh i appreciate the time uh thank you for uh jumping on our first episode of uh, the Superstore vidcast, the Zoom sessions. Uh, so we're going to be doing this weekly, uh, trying to give you guys as much content as humanly possible. And look at us, we're leveraging the platforms of today uh, to yes. be able to not be defeated by the coronavirus and to be able to get unfettered access to value-based content into your hands. Uh, we also have uh, we also have podcasts, we also have blogs, we have a lot of content. Check out our books, uh, encourage you guys to do so. Um, any, any last words, uh, T-Rev, any parting wisdom you would like to, to give our, yeah, I, I challenge each and every one of you out there. If you have a family member, a friend or someone who needs to get up off their butt, virtually smack somebody during this (laughs) pandemic to utilize what they have, smack them real or or, or in a virtual way. Either way. Well, put a glove on before you smack them. Maybe. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. That is just practice point. social distancing when you smack people. So, uh, or, or yeah, something, something like that. So um, great. 
I appreciate it, guys. We're going to cut it here, and we'll see everybody next time on the Superstory Vidcast. All right, guys. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. What's good, podcast? It's Houston, and I'm super excited to release this episode of the podcast for you. As you know, we don't do a lot of interviews on the Superstory podcast. Primarily, that's because we want to focus on value, and we feel that the typical podcast interview just doesn't deliver the value that it should or needs to deliver. So uh, today, though, we're going to break that rule and give you an interview that we did with Jeff Gomez. Uh, if you've never heard of Jeff, he is a transmedia superstar. When I first started to lean into the transmedia space, Jeff's work and his philosophies really helped shape a lot of my early thoughts and a lot of my early strategies around the space. He's the dude that got me excited uh, to do transmedia and multi-platform work, and that obviously led to me developing the Superstory model. So, uh, uh, also, I teach transmedia design at a couple different universities, and his TED Talk is always required viewing. So. Jeff's a deep, introspective dude. I like to call him the transmedia philosopher. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Here it is. What's good, podcast? It's Houston, and I'm super excited to release this episode of the podcast for you. As you know, we don't do a lot of interviews on the Superstory podcast. Primarily, that's because we want to focus on value, and we feel that the typical podcast interview just doesn't deliver the value that it should or needs to deliver. So uh, today, though, we're going to break that rule and give you an interview that we did with Jeff Gomez. Uh, if you've never heard of Jeff, he is a transmedia superstar. When I first started to lean into the transmedia space, Jeff's work and his philosophies really helped shape a lot of my early thoughts and a lot of my early strategies around the space. He's the dude that got me excited uh, to do transmedia and multi-platform work, and that obviously led to me developing the Superstory model. So, uh, uh, also, I teach transmedia design at a couple different universities, and his TED Talk is always required viewing. So. Jeff's a deep, introspective dude. I like to call him the transmedia philosopher. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Here it is. What's good, podcast? It's Houston, and I'm super excited to release this episode of the podcast for you. As you know, we don't do a lot of interviews on the Superstory podcast. Primarily, that's because we want to focus on value, and we feel that the typical podcast interview just doesn't deliver the value that it should or needs to deliver. So uh, today, though, we're going to break that rule and give you an interview that we did with Jeff Gomez. Uh, if you've never heard of Jeff, he is a transmedia superstar. When I first started to lean into the transmedia space, Jeff's work and his philosophies really helped shape a lot of my early thoughts and a lot of my early strategies around the space. He's the dude that got me excited uh, to do transmedia and multi-platform work, and that obviously led to 
me developing the Superstory model. So uh, uh, also, I teach transmedia design at a couple different universities, and his TED Talk is always required viewing. So Jeff's a deep, introspective dude. I like to call him the transmedia philosopher. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Here it is. What's good, podcast? It's Houston, and I'm super excited to release this episode of the podcast for you. As you know, we don't do a lot of interviews on the Superstory podcast. Primarily, that's because we want to focus on value, and we feel that the typical podcast interview just doesn't deliver the value that it should or needs to deliver. So uh, today, though, we're going to break that rule and give you an interview that we did with Jeff Gomez. Uh, if you've never heard of Jeff, he is a transmedia superstar. When I first started to lean into the transmedia space, Jeff's work and his philosophies really helped shape a lot of my early thoughts and a lot of my early strategies around the space. He's the dude that got me excited uh, to do transmedia and multi-platform work, and that obviously led to me developing the Superstory model. So, uh, uh, also, I teach transmedia design at a couple different universities, and his TED Talk is always required viewing. So. Jeff's a deep, introspective dude. I like to call him the transmedia philosopher. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Here it is. Launching in five, four, three, two, one, go for launch. 